Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have in a place to be my boy, J.O., joining us here with another edition of The Vault. Want to make sure we give a shout out there to all the fans, stateside and worldwide, for continuing to support the show. Guys, thank you for sticking with us as we continue in on our review of music from 20, 25, and 30 years ago. We want to thank you all for sticking through it with us, and of course, we got changes coming on the horizon as well as hopefully a great end of the year so continue staying with us with the vault make sure that you're going to our website vaultclassicpod.com once again that's vaultclassicpod.com you can go there check out all our back episodes the back catalog check out the guests that we've had also go to our merchandise store it's fall is here guys in case you haven't noticed it we know that it's chilly in a lot of the places where you are go ahead and get to the vault store and check out the merchandise we got hoodies long sleeve tees sweaters tumblers coffee mugs all types of things that you need beanies hats whatever it is you need to help you keep warm as fall soon transitions into winter make sure y'all going there to go check it out once again it is vault classicpod.com go there check it out get to all of our social media there as well and of course also see our buy me a coffee page where you can support us monetarily with a small donation to make sure that the vault stays open for many years to come as we always say here on the vault our motto is hashtag open the vault hashtag nothing but the classics the mbtc and today jay we continue on in the odyssey that was 1998 and also the phenomenon that was september 29th 1998 Last week, for those of y'all who heard, we did one album from that day. That was Jay-Z, Volume 2, Heart Not Life. Today is part two of that. And today, Jay, we are going to the third studio album of none other than Outkast, Aquemni. Released on September 29th, 1998. Recorded between 1996 and 98 at Bosstown Studios and Doppler Studios in Atlanta. Birth Writers Music Group in Nashville. With a runtime of 74 minutes and 47 seconds on LaFace and Arista Records. The producers on this, mostly Outkast and Mr. DJ, but also production offerings by Organized Noise, the longtime collaborators and also leaders of the Dungeon family out of Atlanta. The singles from Aquemni, three singles. Skewed on the Barbecue, released August 1998. Rosa Parks, which is the one that we all remember, released later on that year. And then The Art of Storytelling Part 1, which was released on May 25th, 1999, and tons of other notable tracks as well from this album. So, Aquemna, Jay, the second part of September 29th, 1998, that epic day that was a great release day in hip-hop history. And to sort of go into the leading end to the release of this album, this was on the heels of AT Aliens having come out in 1996. And as Outkast got further into their career, we know at this point in time, going into AT Aliens, that Andre and Big Boy had sort of, I would say, sort of hit sort of like a, a, a road in the wood where they sort of went different paths. Andre, you know, at some point in time, stopped smoking weed, became a vegetarian, a vegan, got into that whole bohemian sort of lifestyle after he met Erica Badu with the way how he dressed and expressed himself. Big Boy was sort of side of somewhat of the same kind of guy. You know, um, that they have both advanced past that. Um, you know, they kind of had gotten away from the whole thing that made them just two cats from Atlanta, two dope boys in a Cadillac 
they got to that whole futuristic thing when uh, where AT aliens, they kind of produced a lot of their own songs at the same time. And meanwhile, heading into all this sort of the things that have happened in between then, between AT aliens and Equemni, Big Boy has his first child. Andre has his first child as well and was in a relationship with Erica Badu. They go through a relationship, have their breakup, and are no longer together. So there's a lot of things that both of them went together during this time. Production-wise, they started experimenting into a lot of things themselves. Andre himself had started to look into a lot of different other music genres. He definitely took some inspiration from things from Motown and from jazz and funk, which they were already kind of looking at, and also things also from Stack Records as well. And they wanted to really express themselves and show really their true selves on this album, what they had evolved to beyond Southern Playalistic through AT Aliens and now into the recording of Equemni. And it was something that a lot of us were really looking forward to because like with the first two albums they dropped, this is what, what they came up with was incredible, what they got, which is coming up, man. So obviously we wanted to see what they had to offer and what they had to offer was something that we were all anticipating for quite some time. So now we're going to go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. So, Jay, I'll start with you about Equemni, 1998. This album, of course, that great release day of September 29th. Uh, tell me when you heard Equemni for the first time, what you thought about it and examining it in full. Now, 25 years later, what do you think about it now as it stands more than two decades afterwards? Right, yeah. So, like, and I, I got to go back a little bit before I heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause of course that was like just a grand time as far as all these releases coming out. So this is back, you know what I'm saying? We would like, we would go to the source for like everything and, and the mics actually meant something. Yeah. That's a whole nother topic, but. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm reading the drink and I see them reviewing Outkast drink and I saw the drink had five mics. I'm thinking like, hell no, ain't, ain't no way this is, drink is that good. Like, <laughs> Outkast is dope. <laughs> like, cause I couldn't, I mean, I think like maybe like last drink, maybe like five mics might've been like Illmatic if I'm not mistaken. Mm, yeah. Or, I believe so. I, I could be mistaken on that, but like, mm-hmm. nah, man, ain't especially them being from like down south, man. Ain't no way. Nah, they, they, they had like a guest um, judge or something like that. But like, I'm just thinking, nah, yeah, they dope, but let, ain't nah. But then fast forward a little bit, Thanksgiving '98, I'm down in Atlanta visiting family, mm-hmm. and my cousin now he's a big Outkast fan, yeah. So like you know what I'm saying, it's just me and him hanging out, riding around in Atlanta. He's playing the album, playing the drinks off of there. I'm sitting nodding my head. I'm like, okay, clearly I judged too harsh. This drink is, yeah. Um, <laughs> I smoked way too soon. I was definitely out of pocket. Admitted my fault. So like that was just, like, just off the top. That was my my impression of. I hadn't bought it yet. You know what I'm saying? That was back like working like a little weekend job. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like that two hundred dollar check made you feel like you was damn. You know what I'm saying? Like a millionaire. Yeah. Now that's that's like one bill, but another <laughs> conversation went up a day. Um, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, bought the drink, listened to it, didn't skip one track. Mm. Listened to it recently, still didn't skip one track. Mm. Like it's almost like I'm might be a bit of a stretch for me, but like in terms of like that that continuity of it, mm-hmm. I'm putting it up there with the chronic. Wow. Yeah. Like wow. That's <laughs> the now that's big coming from you. Because I know what I, you, I know how what you feel about the chronic, how you feel about it. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I mean, I just came to that realization like recently. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. especially and then yeah, man. And then like knowing like the stuff I found about late, like okay, Outkast, like you know what I'm saying? They was actually making their own beats for this joint, like mm-hmm. kind of like straight away a little a little way some organized noise, but like mm-hmm. it just made it that much more remarkable to me. You know what I'm saying? So like exactly. during that time, 
how 92, 93 was a bunch of bangers coming out, bangers coming out. I'd have to say Criminal is like a line among lines in that regard. So I had to, wow. I had to make that comparison. Yeah, that is, man. That's wow. That's big from you, man. Because I know how you feel about the chronic. And I know that that's really, really big praise coming from you after hearing that joint. And you're right. When we saw that five mic rating in the source, I think that made all of us kind of sit up like when you read it, right? Because when I first read that, issue of the source and they said outcast equimini and you saw one two three four five mics like i think it's like as you're looking at it it's almost like i saw it and i was like hold on wait is that is that a fifth mic that i see there <laughs> so right so it's just like you kind of sit up and you're like hold on wait oh my goodness let me find out and so at that point in time you know if the source gave it five mics that made you pay attention and that makes everybody in the game pay attention so when we saw that, waiting for this album to come out to be like, if this source gave it five mics, this shit must be fire. It must be fire, right? And when you actually get to the album, and all these albums come out on September 29th, 1998, a lot of people went out to go get Jay, as I mentioned this in the episode I did about the release date. But then a lot of people were also in line to go get a Quemna as well. And I remember one of my boys, P, actually, who was with me at Bowie, he listened to it. And I just remember when he looked at me the next day and he told me, B, I was like, eyes wide open. I was like, so tell me. I said, is it better than Southern Playalistic? He said, dog, it's better. I was like, it's better? He said, it's better. He's like, it's better than AT Aliens. He said, matter of fact, it's better than anything you possibly ever could imagine coming from that. And I'm like, nah, he he overhyping this joint or something, dog. He got to be, right? I did what I did, and I actually went out and got a copy of this album and listened to it, right? I didn't even dub it at first. I just went and borrowed somebody's copy and said, yo, I'll get it back to you by the end of the week. High-speed dubbing days. Yeah, yeah. But, and I sat there and I listened to it, and as I listened to the album... I started understanding that all this stuff of what the source was saying, what people were saying, what he was saying was starting to come to fruition. And I was just like, man, look at where these guys have come from starting with Southern Playalistic. And remember, Southern Playalistic got four and a half mics in the source. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say that AT Aliens also got four, four and a half mics as well. And Big Boy had something to say about it on, I think on this album, the fact that they should have gotten five mics for that first album, which they should have, I believe. Yeah. And then they come out with this and the sound, first of all, is the one thing that I remembered, right? I mean, rapping wise, you're going to get from Dre and Big Boy, whatever it is you're going to get from them. We know this. And they proved that through the first two albums. Production wise and them taking a lot of the production into their own hands and it being them producing the album alongside eventually, which would be the third member of Earth Town 3, Mr. DJ, also producing a couple of tracks on here as well. But then you also had the influential Organized Noise on here. They produced tracks on here, some of the most memorable tracks on here as well. And then they had the Dungeon family so immersed in this, having Cool Breeze, having Witch Doctor. Witch Doctor, shout out to you. those of y'all who were real hip-hop heads and knew was in the Dungeon family, y'all know about Witch Doctor. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Having Goody Mob on there, all four of the members, even having Erica Badu involved in the album. And then for good measure, us getting our really first taste of Big Rube on Liberation. It felt like Man. everything that you had in regards to this, it was funky, it was soulful, but it was also experimental as well. And what you really got when it came to the lyrics on this you got really the dichotomy between Dre and Big Boy, right? The differences between themselves, the lyrics and the style that you had with Big Boy. And then also 
the lyrics and the style reflection that you had of Andre. It really was what made them great. The fact that their styles were so different, but complemented each other so well, right? You really started to see the potential of what Outkast had and what everybody said about them from the beginning. I don't know if you saw the Art of Organized Noise documentary, Jay, but it felt like everything they were talking about them in the beginning, that this was all of that coming together as far as all the stuff they said, what they were capable of as a group, that their legacy was going to be hinging on this album and they delivered in every single way. Now, you mentioned you listened to this joint and you didn't skip a track. When I listened to it as well, I didn't skip any track either. Also, despite what a lot of people will say, I didn't really skip any track afterwards as well, despite one track, which we'll get into, which everybody seems to rail on about on this album, which I kind of think is a little kind of, it's kind of a little overblown to be quite honest. I was blown away. And now 25 years afterwards, listening to this album, it is something that I still believe is a high watermark that they attempted to reach afterwards. And that became the standard. And it's a good standard because it's one that I think many hip hop groups have not reached. And I would have to say, this is a high watermark for a hip hop group that no other hip hop group has reached other than possibly NWA, possibly a tribe called Quest and possibly De La Soul. And that's how I feel about it. It's up there with those type of releases from those groups have had there. And from them to be on the source stage four years before this or three years before this stating that the South had something to say. And ironically enough, on the last track on here, you got that excerpt on there talking about that the South had something to say. And at this point in time, if you weren't listening, you were deaf. So it, put. it was it was crazy, man. And this album really created, I would say, even the start of that explosion where Southern hip hop wasn't just one type of way from one type of place. It could be so complex, have depth, and then also have fun to it as well. So just an amazing piece of work. And it's something that's still even 25 years afterwards when I listen to it, I'm still amazed at the musicianship. I mean, a lot of live instrumentation in this, just like what Organized Noise is, and also the thought and the care that's being put into the composition of some of this music. It's stuff, again, as they said on the documentary, things that you didn't necessarily get from hip-hop music all the time, and that's really what I appreciated. Highlights and lowlights. So we'll get into it, Jay. Your highlights and lowlights here on Aquemini, what are they? Man, where do I even start? Of course, like the singles, I always say the singles are good highlights in Rosa Parks, um, Art of Storytelling, Scooter and the Barbie. But apart from that, this really like set the mood. I'm listening to it now when I was in Atlanta visiting family, like the title track Aquemini. Like, and then the final, they made the beat on that joint and the way they, and at the three minute mark, how they came back in after that. Mm. And the, you know, you were talking about. So mm-hmm. that dream, like, it just puts you in a whole other state. But yeah. I don't want to digress, but like, let me see what else. Uh, West Savannah, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just Big Boy just on there doing his thing. Yeah. And from my understanding, that, that was supposed to be on Southern Playlistic, from what I was told. Supposed to be on Southern Playlistic, exactly. And I could see I could see how it would fit, but I'm glad they I'm glad they put it out on this. Yes, me too. And I think about um, Spodiote, Dope Delicious. Mm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it made me, again it's making me think about because again I guess I was at an advantage listening to this being down in Atlanta at the time oh yeah so I'm up there listening to the drink I'm like I turn to my cousin we riding around like is he saying damn 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 James like mm-hmm. he said yep like what the fuck like you know what I'm saying yeah and then the whole st- like you know I'm saying just them talking over that drink and just telling those stories just being just as entertaining as far as like spitting bars um, about what can't you say about liberation like Whew, my gosh yeah. Like, it's like almost like a euphoric effect just listening to that joint. Yeah. You know Especially when, I mean, maybe, I mean, I'm saying like, I'm out there for this, but just like CeeLo's property comes in. Whew, my gosh, man. <laughs> oh, every time. It's like a teardrop. It was just Every time. Every time, bro. 
know what I'm saying? And then and then how did Jake came in after that? Shake that load off like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Return to the G. I don't know how I forgot about that one. Yeah. Like, actually, I did on a mixtape first before I heard like equipment. I was a who kid. I forgot who it was, but like mm-hmm. it was just before that joint came out. But like those are some um, my highlights. Yeah. Okay. Um, no low lights for you on this. I don't. I don't think I have any. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I have any. Indeed, man. Well, my highlights. The singles obviously are great. Rosa Parks was a track that I think let us know we were in for a little bit of a different experience on this album. Skew it on the barbecue. Still one of my favorite beats from Organized Noise, showing that they were able to go production-wise in a little bit of a different direction. And then adding Raekwon to that joint, man. Come on. I mean, it's like to have Outkast and Raekwon together, that was a bonus, right? I mean, yeah, I, and, I see that coming, by yeah, the way. Yeah, nobody can see, nobody can see it coming. Um, the artist storytelling was great. Both of the stories they told of then the perspectives that they had from it, including Dre's verse about Sasha. I mean, it just mm. kind of tells you, man, it just reminds you as far as like the things that can go wrong. And I love the follow up with this artist storytelling part too. Um, great mm. tracks to produce by Mr. DJ. But then when you get into the album tracks, turn of the gangster is a great way to start this album off. I thought it was a great message from Andre to start off um, talking about the whole thing with peace and peace and, you know, it, it was it was just great. It was artfully done. Um, that was also another great beat produced by Organized Noise. West Savannah, the fact that this was a track that came from Southern Playalistic and they could still put it on this album, it could still fit for this album, was just great. awesome, right? This is a track that was recorded four years ago, probably even longer than that if you think about when... 93. Yeah, it was... And this was a young big boy on there spitting, and it fit on this because it goes into his roots. Where he's from, West Savannah, you know? It's like a lot of people don't really get into that part is that, you know... Big Boy is not originally from Atlanta. He ended up moving to Atlanta because he was getting in trouble and his auntie wanted to wanted to move with his auntie up there to Atlanta. But this is a part of him you getting into a little bit of his background as well. But then when you start to get into my favorite tracks on the album, as you mentioned with Aquemna, dog. Aquemna is a title track and a track that to me captures all the sensibilities and everything that's right with the way how you want a deep album cut to be. A deep album cut that when you think about it, it's almost a track that you even think about more than some of the other singles on the album, right? I mean, everybody thinks about that track because of everything that it carries. I mean, even the daggone hook, even the sun goes down, heroes eventually die, horoscopes often lie, and sometimes why? Nothing is for show, nothing is for certain, nothing lasts forever, but until they close the curtain, <laughs> it's him and I, Equimini. I mean, that hook says so much in just so many words, right? It's perfect for this album. And then for all three of those verses to get in there and to do their thing, Big Boy leads it off and gives you this verse that paints this picture of everything it is that he is. He talks about some, you know, riding around Atlanta, what he out in here ready to do, talks about you know being able to make it through these hard times and all that stuff and he's like you know hey listen this is how i'm riding then you get in the dre's verse in the second verse talks about stuff in the hood talks about all the things that you see you know the beauty parlors the baby bottles all this stuff like that talking about the candy lady what the candy lady's giving these poor babies and everything and really it's also more so about painting more of a grim picture of more so than what dre was talking about we talk about that dichotomy the differences right the duality of this group and then you get the little break in the song, and then it comes in after that break. Bam, Big Boy comes in with his verse, them eight bars, and does his thing. And then Dre follows that up with possibly to me some of the, probably the best eight bars on this album. 
probably the best eight bars on this album. And that's how this track ends, right? And it leaves you sitting there like, wow, this is why this album was made. This track is the reason why this album was made. Literally leaves you sitting there wanting more. Like this is the fact that you get outcasts at their absolute best. That shows you the best of Big Boy and the best of Andre. And yes, it was a track that they produced. Spodioti Dopalicious, man. I don't know if you agree with me on this here, Jay. But every time I hear this track, I always feel like I should be smoking. I mean, I agree 100% it's on that. just, <laughs> if you want to talk about a smoking mixtape, this is a song that you put on your smoking mixtape and let it ride. And then for it to be a song that was so well produced, so well put together, and they're not even rhyming on this joint. The only thing they're ta- doing is talking. talking. That's it. And it's ghetto poetry, to be quite honest. To be able to hear story that Dre talks about, about them being out in Niggerville, USA, via Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> you know? And how the way you would want things to be versus how the way they actually are. And then for Big Boy to talk about getting caught up in that trap, being with a baby mama, and having to provide for that family and the traps that comes with the fact that if you can't provide because of all the different things that you have going on in your life that you can't separate what's there versus what's in reality and then how you end up in a trap. And then like that, that shit was a track that had all of us hypnotized for literally every seven minutes and seven seconds of that song. And then not even to mention sleepy Brown in the beginning of the joint, literally doing his best impression of Curtis Mayfield. (laughs) It was a track that literally you could take that and put it in the 1970s and it would feel the same exact way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i love that joint i didn't even think about it that way but that's true that's 100 you could you could i mean literally man every time i hear this joint i feel like i should be smoking and then into liberation liberation is a track that i can't even say it's just a good song it's, it's a spiritual experience when you listen to it bruh every part of it is a spiritual experience no rapping on this joint and you have everybody on here singing right andre and big boy erica badu and CeeLo. you got joy in there Ernie Crenshaw. So all these people are singing on this track and it just gives you this feeling and just the delivering by CeeLo, by Erica Badu. And then eventually they ended up with Big Rube spitting his famous poetry at the end of it. I mean, it does feel like a spiritual experience. The thing that really gave me my feeling of how important this track was is that I don't know if you've seen the movie Malcolm and Marie, but at the end of Malcolm and Marie with John David Washington and Zendaya, at the end of it, as the two characters are basically reuniting at the end of the movie to go through the night they just went through, they play Liberation to close out the movie. And it was a perfect song to describe the sort of experience that what those two had been through. It was a literally a soul-searching, spiritual experience that's something that most people can't even explain. And I know I may be oversizing it, but that's just the way how I felt about it. And other tracks on here. To have Chunky Fire to close out the album with the expert excerpt from the Source Awards. Y'all Scare with Timo, Big Gip, and Cujo. Always good to see the Dungeon family get together and do things. With Slump with Cool Breeze, including him in on it as well. Now, I do want to get into the one low light that many people will talk about for years. And I've seen it written and I've seen people on social media talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mama Sita, right? Oh, wow. So there are people who say that Mama Sita is the worst track on the album. And the one place I read, it said it's probably the worst track in Outkast's catalog, right? And I'm sitting there like, I think that Mama Sita gets way too bad of a rap, right? Other than the hook, what really other complaints do you have about it? And now I've seen other people say that, you know, that Dre's verse was homophobic, you know, in a sense, 
you know, because he was talking about the fact that you be with her homegirl and your home girl, her homegirl trying to see what's up with her when it's home, her homegirl's a lesbian. And I can and what he said to do to her if she tried that. So I can understand that. But to me, I think Mama Cita gets a little bit of a bad rap. I don't think it's really a bad uh, that bad of a song, to be quite honest. Me neither. You know? And, and so there's a lot of people who say, oh, Mama Cita is a terrible song. It's a terrible song. And like, yo, I don't think it's horrible. I've heard other songs and other albums of this quality that have had bad songs, and it's not nearly as bad as some of them. Hey, I don't have a problem with Mama Cita, to be quite honest. It does. It's not enough for me to drag this album down at all whatsoever, to be quite honest. Is it the worst song on here? Maybe it's in contention, but I can't say for certain that it is or isn't. So again, I can know that some of y'all will have problems with the hook, but that's cool. I get it and I understand that as well. But all in all, the production on here, the live instrumentation, I mean, you look at the musicians who played on this. I mean, most of the collaborators instrumentation-wise that are usually there, the Marcus Jeffersons, Preston Crumps, the Omar Phillips, Craig Loves, Mr. DJ, of course, Sleepy Brown and George Clinton on vocals. You also then get the South Central Chamber Orchestra, Chance Parksman, all these different like collaborators that Organized Noise and Dungeon Families worked with for a while just came together to make this just an exquisitely produced album, if I should say so. So, yeah, props to everybody involved all together. Notable Quotables. Notable quotables, Jay. So what is your notable quotable on this album? I was like, I was actually going to say on um, I mean, y'all scared, excuse me, like um, Andre's verse. Okay, yeah. Yo, paragraph intent. I, I make intense sense. Niggas on that gills got dope. Hint, hint. The age mm. is 21 and wants to know where the time went. Hey, hey, hey. What's the haps? We see your time elapse. Have you ever thought of the being of the word trap? Bad boot on your back. But what's that is that crack was introduced to Hispanic communities and blacks, but then it spread to white communities and get everyone's undivided attention because your daughter's on it and you can't hide it. Mm. Maybe your son tried it. We have too crowded. You scared. She scared. They scared. I said they scared. They scared to talk about it. Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> so much in so little time, he said, with that drink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many quotables on here. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a lot. And that was one of them. That's actually one that I had down in my possible ones as well because of what he was saying and what he was talking about. It's, um, yeah, definitely. My notable quotable comes from Equemini and it comes from the whole third verse. And, you know, starting up when you come in, that joint just hits back and Big Boy just comes in. The name is Big Boy, Daddy Fat Sacks, that nigga that liked them Cadillacs. I stayed down with the streets because the streets is where my folks is at. Better know that we pro-black boy, we get confessional. We missed a lot of church, so our music is our confessional. Get off the testicles and nut sacks. You bust around and we bust back. Get back to the real niggas. We trying to out here spit facts. You hear that? Can't come near that. Maybe you need to quit because the Clement is an Aquarius and the Gemini running shit like this. And Drake comes in. My mind warps and bands, floats the wind, count the ten, meet the twin, Andre Band, coming to the lion's den, original skin, many men comprehend, now I extend myself to you, don't have to tell a friend, sin all depends on what you believe in, and faith is what you make it, that's the hardest shit since MC ran, aliens can blend, right on in with your kin, look again, cause I swear I spot one every now and then, it's happening again, wish that I could tell you when, Andre, this is Andre, y'all just gonna have to make amends, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Biggest thing that I love about this verse between the two of them, right? Big Boy says, I stay down with these streets because these streets is where my folks is at. But I know that some say we pro-black, but we professional. We missed a lot of church. So this music is all confessional. <laughs> I mean, it says, get off the nesticles and the nut sacks. You bust around and we bust back. <laughs> you get back for real because these niggas out here trying to spit facts. I mean, it's just, it, it's great. And then with Andre, when he comes in, 
the bars that I really loved in particular when he says it's that sin all depends on what you believe in and faith is what you make it. That's the hardest shit since MC ran. <laughs> then he go and throws a warning out there. Alien can bland right on when with your kin. Look again, because I swear I spot one every now and then. <laughs> I mean, when you start to peel back the layers of some of this shit, dog, it's just like, wow, these niggas really was ahead of their time, dog. <laughs> and creatively, the type of shit that they rolled out there was just like, this is just really some next level type shit, dog. Seriously. Seriously. Lots of quotables on this joint, but man. Between the jewel joint and the joint that I just named right there, I mean, just golden. Absolutely golden. Final verdict. So, Jay, here we are with your final verdict. Is this a classic album, essential album, dope, just good, okay, or something worse than that? Man, drum roll. This is a classic album, mm. and it's definitely essential on being dope. I put it like that. But mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a classic. I, I, yeah. I can't say how else to put it. Yeah. It's a classic and essential to me, it's right up there when you talk about best albums from the South. It's like probably right there in the top three of the conversation. It definitely is. It is a culmination of everything that we expected from Outcast. And it's a high watermark that I would say that I don't think a lot of people have even been able to touch yet, even Outcast themselves. And it's like when you get something like this, you have to understand that artistically, when you're a rapper, producer, whatever, this is the sort of excellence you're hoping to reach. And for Jay and I, who both kind of dabble in production, been involved with hip-hop, tried things throughout the time, this is the type of things that we would hope at some point in time you wish to reach, right? And for those of us, it's aspirational. For them to come out and actually do it, and then for it to sit as long as it has, and for it to continue to improve as it ages, just goes and shows you, man, it's all the hallmarks of a classic. And Outkast, their legacy was secured by this album. And they could have done this and not done another one. And their legacy would have been still the same to me. It really would have been. But you to start your career out with three straight classics. Yeah, not many artists at all, solo or group, could say that. They started their career with three straight classics. Outkast, Aquemna, 25 years old this year. Make sure y'all go check it out. Hit us up on social media. Also hit us up on our platforms. We'll have a question out there. What is your favorite track from Aquemna? Your favorite moments as well. And listening to it back then. And also now, do you feel the same way about it now that you did back then? Has it improved or has it gotten worse? Hit us up on social media. Let's talk a little bit about it. We love to continue the conversation. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big. Because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate. 
because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.